next baptism service because it's such a special time to see people publicly declare their faith and go through those waters of baptism and to see people speaking words of life over them, getting words for them to encourage them in their journey. Um, And it's, oh, I love it. Love it. So congrats, Cody and Shannon. That was awesome. Um, Before I get into today, I just want to let you know that next week we have a very special guest coming to hang out with us, Pastor Graham Murray, all the way from Elam in the UK. See, Elam doesn't just exist in New Zealand, but Elam is also all around the world. And in the UK, um, that's where Graham Murray is. And he's going to come and hang out with us. And he regularly comes over to New Zealand and speaks at a number of Elam churches. And so don't miss next week. He's going to come and bring a word straight from the UK to encourage us with what we're doing here in New Zealand. Does that sound good? Well, when I was six years old, I was in the first grade, which is year two here. And I remember the day that I was in this class and we had this gorgeous African woman walk into our class. And she had these beautiful colors on and these wooden bracelets stacked on her arm. And it wasn't just a few like tasteful bracelets to match her outfit. She had wooden bracelets stacked up to her elbow on each arm. And the cool thing was that she sat down in front of us to tell us stories. This was her job. She was a storyteller. And I remember she sat down in our teacher's rocking chair so gracefully, and she goes, pick a bracelet. See, every single bracelet represented a different story in her life and a different story that she would tell children. And every time an eager six-year-old would look at her and pick a new bracelet, she'd go, Ooh, that's a good one. And she'd launch into the new story, and I was mesmerized with her every single word. And I looked at this woman, and I said, I want to tell stories like her. But I hope that when I'm reaching her age, I can tell story after story after story of God's fulfilled promises on my life. I don't want to just tell stories about what's happened in my world. I don't want to tell stories that are based on fairy tales. I want to tell stories of what God has done in my life. But too many of us, too many of us allow sometimes this this seed of a dream or this seed of a vision or this seed of an idea to lay dormant in our hearts. And that means it's lying in this deep sleep to where we don't actually entertain that dream. We don't actually entertain that idea. And we just continue to dream about what could happen instead of actually seeing what God could do in our lives. You know, how often have you ever seen a product come out? like a new business idea, or maybe you hear a new song on the radio or a movie or a new book. And has anybody ever seen something come out and you say, wait, 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 that was my idea, right? Has anybody ever thought that before? Is that just me? Okay. And you see it come out and you're like, that was my idea and they stole it, yet they, they don't even know you. Like, they're probably in another country. They've never heard your idea. They've never seen your journal with all of your ideas scribbled down. But for some reason, you feel like this bitterness and resentment towards them because they got to it first, right? Yeah? Okay, just me. Um, There's a few people. But I want to talk to you today about what it means to be a dreamer, somebody who just thinks about what could be, who just has all these dreams written down in their notebook, Versus somebody who is a seeker, somebody who chases after God and all that he can do in our lives, who chases after God relentlessly and persistently to go after everything that God has placed inside of them. And so this message is called the dreamers, the seekers, and the promise keeper. Let's pray before we get into it. God, we just thank you so much for who you are. And I pray that as I speak, God, let these be your words that come out of my lips. God, I pray that today people would get a glimpse of your character, a side of your character that maybe they haven't seen yet. God, I pray that people would hear truth today and they would hear a message that directly connects to whatever it is that they're facing right now. And we just ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, one of my favorite scriptures, we all kind of have some favorite scriptures that we go to, but one of my favorites is in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Maybe you've heard this before. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. But here's what I love about this verse. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you how many times you have to ask. It doesn't tell you how many times you have to go searching. It also doesn't tell you how loud you have to knock. It just says, ask, seek, knock. There's no number as to how many times, and I'm glad that God didn't put a number in there because who knows if there was a number, like ask 14 times and it will be given to you, you'd get to 14 and give up, right? Like we would all stop at that number. So there's no number in there to tell you how often you have to ask. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been locked out of a house before. Has anybody been locked out of a house before? Horrible feeling. But it's even worse when you know like your brother and sister are still inside, but they're probably like upstairs with headphones on gaming or something and they can't hear you. Now, do you just knock once politely and go, brother, please let me in and expect him to come to the door? No. Your, your knocking, or I mean, my knocking, goes to pounding, to screaming, to crawling up to his bedroom window to get his attention to let me in, right? That type of persistence to get that door open is the same type of persistence that we actually need with God. Not all like the shouting and yelling at your brother type of persistence, but the same type of persistence to get that door opened. We need to show God how much we want that dream. We've got to show him how much we want those promises on our life that he's spoken into us, how desperately we want the miracle. But I don't know about you, but there are certain things in my life where I will take it to God every single day. Like there's promises on my life that have been on my life for years that I haven't seen fulfilled yet, but I take it to God every single day. Why? Because I know that he's a good God. And I know that he's faithful, and I know that it will come in the right timing, which is his timing. My timing's never the right timing. But it's going to come in the right timing. And so I will keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking until my knuckles bleed in the hope that the promise keeper hears me. You know, there's this incredible parable in Luke chapter 18 when Jesus is actually telling this story. Jesus often spoke in parables, like allegories and stories that would make uh, a key lesson and a key uh, teaching just very easy for somebody to understand. And so he spoke in these ways often. He's about to tell this parable that is actually a parable about the way we should pray. And it's called the parable of the persistent widow. I'm reading Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. It's on your notes up on the screen. Follow along. It says, one day, Jesus was teaching the apostles to keep praying, to never stop or lose hope. And he shared with them this illustration. In a certain town, there was a civil judge, a thick-skinned and godless man who had no fear of others' opinions. And there was a poor widow in the town that kept pleading with the judge, saying, grant me justice and protect me from my oppressor. But he ignored her pleas for quite some time. But she kept asking. Now, eventually, he said to himself, this widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights, and I'm tired of listening to her. Even though I'm not a religious man and I don't care about the opinions of others, I'm just going to get her off my back by answering her claims for justice, and I'll rule in her favor. Then she'll leave me alone. Now, the Lord continued saying, did you hear what the ungodly judge just said? That he would grant her persistent request. 
Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all of his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you or give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying ever expecting, just like the widow was with the judge, yet when the Son of Man comes back, will he find this kind of persistent faithfulness in his people? I love this story because it shows you this example of a persistent widow that's going before an ungodly judge, and her request gets granted because of her persistence and determination, purely because of that. Not because of the way she looked, not because of how money, much money she had, not because the judge liked her. It was because she was just persistent and determined to get justice. And so that's why he granted in her favor. Now, don't you think that a persistent prayer going before the true judge could actually get God to grant favor and blessing in your life? But the real question is, the real question is, how desperate are you? Like, how much do you really want the dream? Like, how much do you really want to see that miracle in your life? Because if you really, really wanted it, wouldn't you do everything possible in order to get the results you wanted? Sometimes our desperation doesn't actually match up with the dream that lies within us. See, a lot of people do this nowadays. They need like an answer or a confirmation to something, and so they'll send a quick text to said person that they need some to confirm something with, right? This happens in, in business, in school, wherever, with friends. And then that person complains and makes an excuse when they haven't got a response back. Now, here's what I usually say to that person in this scenario. If they're coming to me complaining, but I just didn't hear back. I'm like, well, did you send a follow-up text? Did you send a follow-up email? Did you pick up the phone and call? Did you actually get in your car and drive to the company to talk to them in person to get the results you wanted? Oh, oh, you just sent one text 12 days ago and you haven't heard back? I guess you don't really want it that bad. That's how a lot of people do these things these days. They're like, well, I sent one text. That's good enough. They should have seen it. Well, if you really wanted it, you would have gone through all avenues to make sure that you got a confirmation back of whatever it was that you were asking for. Now, that, that might sound harsh, what I'm saying, but it's the truth, right? It's the truth. People quit too easily these days. People just give up if it becomes too hard. And people are more likely to find excuses than to actually find results. Now, what if the widow had just asked the judge once and she was like, and he said no. And the widow goes, well, I asked him and he said no. Guess I'm going to keep getting oppressed. This is just my life. Like that's what would have happened if she took on that mentality that we sometimes have today. Where we just give up and say, well, I guess this is just me. This is just what I have to live with. This is just who I am. But she instead went again and again every single day until the judge ruled in her favor. Now, there's this incredible story I want to tell you about a woman named Florence Chadwick. Florence Chadwick was born in San Diego, California, and she started swimming at the age of six. And when she got older, she became the first woman to swim across the English Channel. And then she decided she wanted to be the first woman to swim across the Catalina Channel. Now, that's 21 miles or 34 kilometers. So it gets to the day that she's going to try to break this record. And the conditions, the weather conditions are awful. 
like absolutely awful, icy cold water and thick, heavy fog that you can't really see through, not to mention the sharks. But Florence gets in the water anyway, and she starts swimming. And she's been swimming for 15 hours and 55 minutes. But it's getting really tough. And the, flo- the fog is so thick that she can't see the coastline. And she, she doesn't feel like she's anywhere near close enough. And so she looks at her mom in the support crew boat next to her because there was a boat following her. She looks at her mom and she says, I can't do it. I'm going to give up. See, the thing is that the support crew boat, they can't tell her where she is while she's swimming. They can't tell her how far away she is until she actually gets back in the boat. And so she threw in the towel. She got back in the boat. And the moment she did, she found out from the team that she was less than a mile from the coast. Less than a mile. If she had stayed in the water just a few minutes longer, she would have actually succeeded and reached land. But the thing was, is the fog was so thick, she couldn't see the finish line. And because she couldn't see the finish line, it became so hard that she gave up. Now, how often do we quit because we can't quite see the finish line? Like that, that fog in our lives is just so thick. We're like, I have been swimming for 15 hours and 55 minutes. This is cold. This is hard. I don't know where I am. I don't know where the finish line is. And we give up right when we are on the verge of our miracle. Right when we are on the verge of our breakthrough or on our promise coming through. Now, I love what Calvin Coolidge says. He's the 30th president of the United States. The quote's on the screen. You can read along with me. It says, nothing in this world will take the place of perseverance. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful people with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated failures. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent, meaning they are all-powerful. See, persistence and determination alone have great power and influence. And it's honestly that, those characteristics that separate the dreamers from the seekers. The dreamers can can come up with lots of great ideas, and they might have a lot going on in here and up in here, but it's the seeker that says, I'm going to take that dream, I'm going to take that idea and go after it until I see it come through, until I see breakthrough and promises in my life. A seeker is persistent and determined, and they're willing to push through and pray through any circumstance they find themselves in. You know who's a seeker in the Bible? Joshua. I love the book of Joshua. Does anybody else love Joshua? One of my favorites because it is filled with all of these battles and victories that could only be won by Joshua fully, fully trusting in God. Fully trusting that God was actually a promise keeper. Now, here's how Joshua starts out in chapter 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord spoke to Joshua, and he said, my servant Moses is dead. Therefore... The time has come for you to lead these people. It's time for you to step up, lead the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. Skip forward. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Now, one of the the lands that was promised to Joshua was the city of Jericho. And so we find out in this moment when God is speaking to Joshua about Jericho, he says, I've given you Jericho. 
its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. And then the walls will just collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. This is what God is telling Joshua. What a crazy plan, right? Now, many people often feel like God has given them something significant. They've given them a dream or a promise of victory, but then they look at what God is asking them to do and they start to brush it off by saying, nah, I look crazy. Like, that's what you want me to do, God? Like, imagine Joshua in this moment. They're looking at Jericho. He's like, okay, let me get this straight. I need to know the plan, God. You want me to take my whole army and we're just going to walk around Jericho every single day for six days. Like, imagine how awkward that was. Like, that's quite crazy. Like, imagine this middle section is Jericho, and you've just got the Israelites walking around you for six days. Quite creepy. And then he's like, on the seventh day, I don't want you to just go around once. I want you to go around seven times. And then get this. On the seventh time, when the priest blows the ram's horn, then y'all just need to shout as loud as you can, and the walls are going to fall down. Joshua's probably hearing this and thinking, okay, really? Really, we're just going to shout as loud as we can, and the walls are just going to collapse. Like, this is a pretty crazy plan. But the dream was planted in Joshua's heart. The dream of having Jericho, the dream of conquering that land that God was going to give them if they went through with his plan. He had to transition from simply dreaming about it to actually seeking after God's will on his life, even if he looked crazy to everybody sitting inside Jericho. Now, let me just quickly tell you about Jericho. Maybe you don't understand how massive this is. Historians believe that the city of Jericho, the walls of it were structured in three tiers. The first tier was this earthen embankment that led up to this first stone wall that stood about four to five meters in height. On top of the stone wall was a mud brick wall that was two meters thick, two meters thick, and also six to eight meters tall, okay? Now, just so you can get a reference of how tall this is, these first two tiers looks like a four-story building, we're in a four-story building. So imagine yourself standing on East Street looking up at the walls of Jericho. It's like if we were Jericho and looking out on those windows and watch the Israelites marching around this building. But it's not just a building. It's a whole city, okay? That's just the first two tiers. Then behind this wall, there's the earthen embankment leading up to the third tier, which also was another mud brick wall standing six to eight meters in height again, and the illusion of these two walls stacked in such a way, it made it appear to the Israelites that Jericho was 10 stories tall. Take this building, stack it on top, take half the building, stack it on top again, 10 stories, and they're down on the ground, and God's just told them, if you follow my plan, all those walls, they're just going to collapse right in front of you, right? It's a pretty crazy plan. But guess what happened? They did exactly what God had asked them to do, and the walls collapsed. 
and they were able to charge in and take the city. See, Joshua was marked by persistence and determination. He was a seeker that never stopped short of the promise. But imagine he did. Imagine he got to like day number four of just walking around the city in silence, right? Where they're just walking around. I could imagine so many people would just be like, okay, y'all, we look stupid. Um, Let's just forget this plan. Let's gather again. We'll make up our own plan where we can just take this city by our own force, right? That's what a lot of people do. They get halfway in to what God is asking them to do, and they feel stupid. They feel foolish. They look crazy, and then they give up and fall short of the promise. Had Joshua and the army given up on day four or on day five or even on day six, they would have fallen short of the promised victory, What if we didn't just dream about what could happen for us? What if we actually decided to chase after the God who could make it happen? What if we actually submitted ourselves to his plans, even if we looked a little bit foolish? Seekers are people who search after truth. They're people who are relentless in their persistence and their determination to see those crazy God dreams become a reality. In fact, I want to tell you about a few people that I know that simply didn't dream about what could be, but they persistently showed up before God until he made it happen. See, there was this girl that I knew back in high school. She was one of my best friends. Her name was Laura. And from the outside looking in, she was the most extroverted, confident girl you would ever meet. But she did have one big insecurity. See, above both of her knees, she had a number of warts. And these warts caused great insecurity in her that she never wanted to wear shorts or skirts for fear that somebody might see them and comment on them. And so her and her mom prayed every single day for years that he would take these warts away. Just a simple prayer saying something like, God, the doctors can't take these away, but I know you can. So could you take these warts away from me? And one day when she was about 16 years old, she woke up and every single one was gone. Just disappeared overnight. It might sound like a small issue that you don't want to bother God with. And a lot of people would just submit to the idea, well, that's just, it's fine. It's just warts, God. I can deal with that. But God cares about the little things that you care about too. And so they relentlessly went to God every single day until he granted what they were asking for. You know how we all have certain heroes in our lives? One of my heroes is Pastor Luke. He's the senior pastor of this church. And Years ago, decades ago, a God dream was planted on his heart for Elam Christian Center in Auckland. The type of dream that would sound crazy to people just hearing it when the church hasn't even started yet. The type of dream that people would laugh at. And I remember that when Pastor Graham Murray, who's hanging out with us next week, when he was visiting our botany campus a few years ago, Frosty and I were having a chat with him. And he told us this story about the day where he was standing with Pastor Luke on the the farmland that is now Elam Botany the largest church in New Zealand, but they stood there when it was just land that they had bought. And Graham said to him, Luke, there's nobody here. Like it was just farmland. And Luke just smiled at him and said, yeah, but they're coming. The crazy thing about Luke is he can look at a piece of land and he can see the community that will one day flourish on it. He can see not just for what it is, but for what God is going to make it, for what God can change on that land, for what God can transform on that land. And he is the type of person that will get in God's ear about what he wants. See, even one day, Frosty and I were chatting with him before we launched this campus. We were chatting with him about future campuses, and he was talking to us about a piece of land that he was interested in. And we're like, oh, where is it? And immediately he just spins his laptop around to us 
And the piece of land that he was praying for was saved as his desktop wallpaper. That was what he would look at every single day and pray for that land. He was like the persistent widow that would just get in God's ear about what he wanted and would persist and ask and pray until he saw it happen. And he's still seeing it happen today. So what's the dream in your heart? And does it line up with the promises of God? What has God planted there that you need to actually dig that up and seek after the only one that could make it happen? It could be this promise for victory like it was for Joshua. Or maybe it was, it's a promise of healing like it was for Lara. Maybe it's a promise for land for future generations like it is for Pastor Luke. Or maybe God has given you a promise for salvation for a friend or a family member. I've got one last story I want to share with you, and Keys can join me now. On the 9th of March, 2018, my Uncle Dwayne passed away from an unexpected heart attack. Nobody saw it coming. He was 57 years old. But just two months before that, he had given his life to Jesus and got baptized. Now, my Aunt Anne, his wife, is a woman of tremendous faith. And for years, she had been praying that she would see her husband come to know Jesus in a real, personal way. She didn't give up on her husband, and she didn't give up on getting in God's ear about her husband. And although she's still mourning the loss of Dwayne, she's able to rest in that promise that she will see him again in heaven one day. And because she continually lifted him up in prayer as a persistent and faithful wife, she was able to see that promise just months before he left this world. So are you still dreaming about what could be? Have you laid down that dream and just said, you know what, God, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. But if it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to him. He actually wants to know the cries of your heart. Can I just tell you, people who change history are the ones who take a dream and they put legs to it. They take a promise and they put faith to it. They're willing to make sacrifices and appear a bit foolish because they know that God is faithful. And they know that God can come through on every promise. See, history makers, they don't simply dream, they do. They persist even when they can't see the finish line. They ask even when they don't always get an answer. They seek even when others can't see the same vision that they see. They knock even when they're exhausted. And they believe even when others around them start to doubt. Can I tell you, the stories that we pass down from generation to generation are about people who are willing to risk it all. They're about people who are willing to look a bit foolish to see that crazy God dream come to pass. Those are the stories that we pass down. Stories about God's faithfulness coming through time and time again because he is in every way the promise keeper. And so as I close today, I've just got three quick tips for you so that you can put your own dream into motion to pick up that dream that maybe you cast aside because you didn't think it was important enough for God to care about. The first thing you need to do is write it out. Write it out, put words to it, make the vision clear. And in fact, if you've got a dream in your heart, I want you to grab that connect card from the seat in front of you. And on the back of it, on the bottom left, there's some lines there. I want you to write down that dream, that promise. Is it healing? Is it a land or a house? Is it a business? Is it a baby? Is it whatever it is, write that down. What has God promised you? 
and start filling the pages of a journal with your big God dreams. Write out the promises that he's planted in your heart. You've got to take it from something you just think about or feel and actually put it to the page. So I want you to grab that right now. If you've got a dream, write it out. Yeah, the bottom left, bottom right line where it says prayer requests, you can write that down there. And you can hold on to this if you want to just pray about it personally or later on in the service. You can have an opportunity to put that into one of our offering buckets and our team will pray about it with you and we'll stand together and believe that that promise could actually come to pass on your life. And while you write those down, I'll tell you about one of my promises, something that has been planted in my heart for over seven years. I want to be a published author. And this was a seed that was planted in my heart over seven years ago. But in order for that to happen, I actually have to do my part. And I have to finish the book that I started years ago. I have to write down the dream that God has given me. It's one thing to just think about it, but it's another thing to do it. Secondly, you need to speak it out. Once you've written it down, once you've written down that promise, you've actually got to start declaring that over your life. You've got to start saying it. This is so important. See, for too long, I was too embarrassed to bring up the idea that I wanted to write a book one day. And I would just have these, you know, hidden journals or hidden folders on my laptop thinking, when it's finished, then I'll tell people that I want to be a writer. But then I realized I don't have to be published to call myself a writer. I am a writer. And you have to speak these things out over your life. You have to say it as if it were true. And so I will say, I am a writer. And one day I'm going to publish a book that God is going to use to extend his kingdom. And it's going to be a New York Times bestseller. You got to speak it out, y'all. Speak it out because the more you say it, the more you will actually believe that God could make it happen. And then finally, you live it out. This is so important. You see, I can't just write and declare that I'm a writer. I need to actively live this out as if it were true. So I have to find ways to actually act more like a writer. And so years ago, I went to the Auckland Writers Festival and I try to surround myself with, with blogs or people that are writers. I try to read more books so I can see all the different writing styles. What are you doing to put that dream into motion? I have to set word counts so that I can actually finish the book that I started. You've gotta put legs to your dream. You've gotta put faith into that promise. You've gotta be willing to look a bit foolish when God places that big God dream on your heart. But that's the only way that you're actually gonna see that victory to come to pass. Because are we dreamers? Yes, yes, we are dreamers. But more than that, we are seekers. We are people that will go relentlessly and persistently before the promise keeper, knowing that he is good, that he is the true judge, that he is faithful. And what that looks like is it looks like waking up every single day and just saying, God, is today the day that I get to hold my promise? Is today the day I get to see my promise? Is today the day that I get to see you move in a powerful way in my life? Not today. Okay, that's okay, God. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll see you then. That's what it looks like to just keep living it out. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And so as I close, I want to pray for those that have written something down. If you've got that connect card in front of you where you've written out a dream, I just want you to hold that and just lift it up. And you can cover what you've written if you don't want anybody else to see it. But we're going to pray and believe that we're going to see some crazy God dreams come to pass this year. Amen? So if you've got that connect card, just lift it up and I'm going to pray right now. 
God, I thank you for these stories that we can read in the Bible about your goodness, about your faithfulness. And God, right now, we just ask that what you've done for so many people in the past, would you do it again for us? Would you do it again? And would you help these promises that are lifted high, would you help them come to pass? God, you know what they are. You know what's been scripted down. You even know the ones that haven't yet been written out. But God, I pray that you would give strength and courage and resolve and determination and persistence to every single person that's saying, yes, God, I'm going to pick this up again. I'm going to believe again because I know that you are good. I might have given up hope in the past, but not today. Today is a turning point in my life. And I submit this dream to you knowing that you will do incredible things with it. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. I'm going to pray one last prayer because I know that there's people in this room that you hear about God and it, and it sounds enticing, this, this, this life of walking with God. But if you're honest, you would say, I don't actually know him. I don't actually know what his plans are for my life. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to start that journey with Jesus. Just a simple yes to Jesus to say, I don't have it all sorted out. I don't want to be in control of my life because I'll make a mess of my life. And to actually submit your life to God, knowing that he's got promises for you too. So we're all going to close our eyes and bow our heads. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you mean this, I want you to pray it in your heart. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I need you to be in control. I've tried by myself for too long and I need you. I want to know what promises you have for me. I want you to put crazy God dreams in my heart. And God, I need the strength and the courage to make them happen. God, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Everything I have is yours.